Hello, this is Gary Naylor. I want to begin by being honest with you right now. Uh, there is so much in my little pea brain going on and it's crowding my mind and in seeking to understand what it is that I'm going to say today because there's so much that needs to be covered. We'll be talking about the kingdom of heaven, of course. In the last time together, uh, we spoke about the bones and the muscles and how bones is government and muscles is everything that hangs on that government and those bones are essential. Government, which is masculine and muscles would be feminine. Uh, these concepts are so incredibly important. People try to understand what God is doing in a backwards fashion. They don't know his ways. Scripture says that Moses knew his ways and the sons of Israel knew his acts. Well, how are you going to know his acts and expect to understand what he's going to do? You had to be like a Moses who understood his ways. Once you understand his ways, then you can understand, hopefully, uh, what Yahweh is doing and what he is going to do. And that's what we're seeking to do in this time together is to understand the ways of Yahweh and what Yahweh is doing, what he has done in the past, the timing of it and everything about it, what it has been in reality for the last 2,000 years, and that which is to be. I'm reminded that scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, that which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. That's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. If you want to understand what God is doing, you have to understand what he has done and what it means for today. I have something in my mind right now that is brand new, fresh, and I hope to get to share it with you because it's truly, truly wonderful. And likewise, in Ecclesiastes 3, we read, that which is has been already, and that which will be has already been. For God seeks what has passed by. Most, most important. What has passed by? Let's go to the very beginning of the book in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And let's see what was there so that we can see what God is going to do in the future. What happened in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is a parable of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We've already talked about that in the last teaching. It's extremely important. But we're going to take this even further, especially concerning this matter of male and female. When I was in Rongo, Kenya, I was teaching in a church, and it's actually the only time I ever taught in a church per se. Otherwise, I always spoke to pastors and bishops. But I was struggling with how to begin. And I asked the people, can you tell me what is happening on the 
street over to the west, uh, which is one of the major streets. I said, can you tell me what's happening over there right now? Well, of course they couldn't. Can you, south of here, can you tell me what's happening on that highway over there right now? And of course they can't because they can't see it. But if, if you could get on a tall tower and with binoculars look in the various directions, you could tell me. That's what looking at what Yahweh has done in the past tells us. It tells us what God is doing and what he's going to do. It's seeing the big picture. We have to see the big picture of what God's doing. You know, can I can I diverge from this for just a moment and throw in something parenthetically? Um, <laughs> in, Eccle- in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we read, That which is has been already, and that which will be has already been, for God seeks what has passed by. He continues. Furthermore, I have seen under the sun that in the place of justice there is wickedness, and in the place of righteousness there is wickedness. Uh, let's talk about the kingdom of heaven here. That's exactly what's going on in the kingdom of heaven, of course, and in the world. But that's that's given. That's to be expected. I said to myself concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for them to see that they are but beasts, B-E-A-S-T-S, beasts. For the fate of the sons of men and the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath, and there is no advantage for man over beast, for all is vanity. All go to the same place. All came from the dust, and all return to the dust, you say. Yes, but now we have the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, you got it too early. It's still a time of death. Can you dispute that? Have you seen anybody other than Yeshua overcome death? No. People all still go to death. And they say people, well, when they die, they go to heaven. Oh, really? Is that right? You know, over in, uh, let's see, Thessalonians, it says, uh, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Hmm. Folks, Christians for 2,000 years, including the first remnant, have fallen asleep in Jesus. That's where they are. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. You know, let's, come on, let's get up on that high tower and think for just a moment. 
let's let's take these this false teachings of Christianity that when you die you go to heaven. Oh, really? You die and go to heaven, you're with Jesus. Well then why does this passage tell us that we are asleep? They are asleep in Jesus and that they will be brought from sleep, brought out of the grave, and they will meet Yeshua in the air. Let's think about the stupidity of this for just a moment, what Christians think. Okay, I die and I go be with Jesus and, and my Aunt Susie and Uncle Jim and my mom and dad, and we're all together and we're happy and everything's hunky-dory. Well, that why is it that the dead in Jesus come up out of the grave and then we go and meet Jesus in the air? Can you, come on, think for just a moment, folks. So what would they say? Hi, Jesus, I just saw you just a few seconds ago. Can you imagine? Where do people put their brains? Why don't they think? The word amused, ah means not, muse means think. People are amused. They've got their Christianity and they're in Hades, Hades, which is often translated hell, Hades means not see. But they don't see. Yeshua said concerning Lazarus, uh, he's uh, sleeping. They said, oh, great, he'll get well. And he just told them right out, no, he's dead. Folks, everybody who has been in Jesus for 2,000 years is in the grave. They are sleeping. They are doing nothing else. If that wasn't the case, then why would they get a body at this first trumpet so that we can rise up to meet Jesus? Okay, setting that aside now, <laughs> I just, it just baffles me what some people think. I've been told it's, it's like under Hitler. Everybody believed it because it was all being repeated over and over and over again. Doesn't make sense. You know, let's, let's look at it another way. Okay, everybody else who didn't go to sleep in Jesus, or who, no, no, don't, they didn't go to sleep. We can't use that word as Christians. They didn't go to Jesus when they died. They went to hell, and they've been suffering torment for, let's just take the last 2,000 years. They've been suffering torment for 2,000 years because they didn't accept Jesus. And even though it says that no man can come to God unless he's drawn, unless he's called, uh, now, God's going to throw them in hell because they didn't have faith when the scripture says that faith comes from God. Hmm. The thinking, the irrational thinking. All right, here we go. And so, here are all these people who have been suffering in hell, some of them for 2,000 years, they've all been suffering, you know, even though they didn't even know who Jesus was because they'd never heard. So they're all suffering in hell. And then they're brought out at the resurrection of the dead to be judged, the great white throne judgment. So here they are, either never heard of Jesus or they've denied him. It didn't matter. They're all unbelievers. And so they come before Jesus in a body because they're at the white throne judgment. They've got earthly bodies. They come before him and the scripture says that they confess him as Lord. Well, the scriptures also say that if you confess him as Lord, you'll be saved. Well, no, 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 not for Christians because for Christians warped an ignorant mentality, they are then taken, after confessing him as Lord, they are then taken and thrown in, in, in this, it's called the lake of fire, folks. It's not hell. If, if lake of fire was hell, how come Hades was thrown into the lake of fire? And so they're thrown into the lake of fire to continue suffering. 
So here you are. They've been suffering for 2,000 years or less. They're brought out and stood before Jesus to stand before Jesus and say, you were wrong. And then they're thrown into hell. <laughs> Folks, let's not be amused. Let's not, not think. Now, having said all of that, let's look at this matter of the garden and see where it's going to take us in the kingdom of heaven and what it means for us today. Because what we're going to learn is extraordinarily, extraordinarily important. Okay. That which has been is that which will be. That which has been done is that which will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Okay, going back to the garden, what do we see? What pattern did Yahweh lay out for us so that we could understand what he's doing? Let's crawl back up that tower and let's look at the big picture, okay? And by the way, that big picture is in this little bitty microcosm of history in the garden. The garden is the kingdom of heaven understand that's why Yeshua took the Nazarite vow and went to a garden because he was entering into the original garden of Eden and I hope you understand that by studying the Nazarite vow so what do we see in the garden what do we learn from it and what does it mean for us today here we go as we talked in the last teaching time together, you have certain elements. You have, of course, God's on the scene. He created everything, created the garden. And he created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he created Adam. God created Adam. God formed Adam. God breathed the breath of lives into Adam. And then Adam went out and named all the animals. And Yahweh, Yahweh God decided or declared either way, it is not good for the man to be alone. He has to have a female aspect. Now, I can guarantee you, when Yahweh said that, he knew what was going to happen from that female aspect. He knew it. And I can tell you why in a minute. He had already experienced it himself. He knew what was going to happen. It was all too fresh what would happen. But he did it. He said it's not good for the man to be alone. And he put Adam to sleep, opened his side, took out a rib, and formed a bride, Eve. She was bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. Interesting statement for a man to say. I mean, have you ever, have you ever, when you met your, the woman that you married or you're in love with, you ever say, look at her and say, boy, she's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. <laughs> no. No, you, again, it's prophecy. It's prophecy. All right. Now, he knew Eve would fail. And you're going to see why in a minute. But he told him not to eat from the tree of the novice, good and evil. And then, of course, there's also the serpent in the garden, the de deceiver, Satan. 
the tempter. And he went to Eve and he deceived her and caused her to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She then passed it to the man and the man ate from it as well. It says he was not deceived. The woman was greatly deceived as it is written and they failed. And then there was a curse it started this with Satan. Satan was cursed. And I can give you a little information. It says the, the what does it say? Um, uh, it says the first part of that is that he would eat the dust. Uh, he would eat the dust uh, all the days of his life. Mm, and what do we turn into? Dust. He eats us. Uh, and it says that there would be enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, it says, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Let me give you a little insight. Yeshua bruised his head, Satan's head. And he turned around and he slew the first remnant. He killed them. Now, all you have to do is go to a map of Africa and you can see what happened to Satan's head. The boot of Italy is crushing his head. Whenever I teach this in Africa, their eyes light up and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And they realize the curse that's been on that continent. Then he turns to the woman, same order. Satan deceived the woman. The woman then misled the man. So he turns to the woman and he says that she's going to have pains in childbirth. But then he says, your desire shall be for, and I'm going to add a couple of words to bring clarification. Your desire will be for the place of your husband and he will rule over you or master you. You say, why would you say that's what it means? All you got to do is go to the next chapter in Genesis and where you have Cain and Abel. And Yahweh went to Cain and said, sin is crouching at the door and its desire, it's the same thing, desire, it's the same Hebrew word, its desire is for you, but you must master it. It's the same word again. What he said to the woman was negative. This wasn't, oh, your desire will be for your husband. That's not a curse. The curse is the woman desires the place of her husband. Hello? Anybody looked around the world lately? Where you have feminism and it's politically correct that the woman is equal to the man? Can anybody say Satan? Hello? Satan is doing his work. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's deceiving the woman once again. It is nothing new under the sun, folks. This whole thing of women's rights is nothing but the deception of the serpent upon the woman and upon the man. It's happening all again. It happens in the church. It happens in the nations. It's the exact thing happening. Climb the tower, folks. Climb the tower as high as you can go and get your binoculars and look at what's happening. All of this feminism stuff is nothing but from hell. It is from the serpent. 
He knows how to deceive the woman. And I'm going to tell you in a minute why he knew how to proceed. He knew how to proceed because he knew it would work. And so he deceived the woman. She listened to him. It was desirable for her. And she turns to the husband, turns to Adam, gives him the fruit. He eats it as well. And here was the curse upon the man. Yahweh starts out, because you listened to the voice of your wife or your woman. (sighs) Let's lay out the pattern, folks. Are you hearing me? Are you listening to me? Let's lay out the pattern. The pattern is there's a serpent. The pattern is there's a tree of the knowledge, good and evil, and the tree of life. The pattern is that the serpent goes to the woman, deceives her, and then she gives the fruit to the man and, and he is corrupted. It doesn't say he was deceived. In fact, the New Testament, it says the man was not deceived, but the woman was greatly deceived. Folks, climb the tower. Take out your felt pen. Write it down. This is the pattern of the kingdom. This is the pattern of the nations. This is the pattern of what Satan's doing to corrupt. It is a female work corrupting the male work, and therefore the curse comes. Do you understand the pattern? Do you understand that it's the female work? I've I've said there's bones and there's muscle. And I've said over and over again, there is the masculine and the feminine. Folks, put that down is point number one. If you want to know what God's doing, then discover male and female. Let's take it to another realm. How about man and God? You tell me. Who is masculine and who is female? Why, of course, Yahweh is masculine. And we are all female. I'm in a male body right now. But in my relationship with God, I am female. I go before him and I do nothing but what he says. The scripture says in the New Testament that the woman is to obey her husband in everything. You say, well, that doesn't mean that. Well, does it say that we obey God? Yes, it says that. Well, there's no difference. Put it in your head. If you have to get desperate and clean house out of your brain and put away this secularism, this godlessness, you say, oh, I'm a Christian. I believe these. I believe in God. No, you're not believing God. You're believing in a lie. If you're embracing feminism, you're embracing a lie, and a destructive lie. It's like keeping a serpent in your home to keep the mice away. You're keeping something that is totally destructive. But you're blind. Men have been blind for 2,000 years. That's why the man at the pool of Siloam was blind from birth. Christians have been blind from birth. They don't know what God's doing. And finally, we're hearing. And of course, when it comes on the scene, the, the response of Christians is the same response of Jews. Oh, this can't be true. Do you see the pattern? 
Do you see the clear, undeniable pattern of how things are destroyed? Things are corrupted. You have a tempter. You have a male and a female. And you have a command. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By the way, everything's male-female. Just about everything is male-female. I mean, it all boils down to that right and wrong, good and evil. But between those two trees, one of them is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is masculine. The tree of life is feminine. You look at whenever Aaron and Miriam uh, resisted Moses, challenged him, uh, did Miriam and Aaron get leprosy? No, no. Miriam got leprosy, but not Aaron. Well, they both challenged Moses. Why? Why did Miriam get cast out of the camp and with leprosy? And Aaron didn't because Aaron is masculine. He's government. He has a right to govern. He had a right to even go to his brother. Miriam was feminine. And in that role, she had no right to object to her brother. That's the difference, folks. There's masculine and feminine. What's the best thing to do is for the feminine to yield to the masculine and the masculine not listen to the voice of his woman. Unless Yahweh speaks to him and says, listen to her, just like he did to Abraham and told him to listen to Sarah concerning Hagar. That's whenever a masculine should listen to his wife is whenever his head says, listen to her. Otherwise, he can't listen to the voice of his wife. He can only listen for God. And if wife speaks something godly, well, God will let him know. Folks, you just don't realize how much feminism is corrupting the church and the nation. People use excuses to let women teach, to exercise the authority of a man. They use them as excuses. Okay, so what do we have today? Then we have homosexuality. It's one and the same sex. It's the same thing. If a woman has a right to teach them, well, then uh, two men have a right to lay together, two women, lesbians, and let's get sex changes and everything else. They're all tied together. It's the same serpent. Don't you understand? All right. You're getting ready to learn something that is going to be shocking to you. Very likely shocking to you. But it is truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. Do you want to beat Satan? Do you want to overcome Satan? He's law. If you don't overcome him legally, you are the loser. There is no way out of it. All right. Here we go. I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. And I will let you know in advance that these are widely, widely, rightfully so this time, widely, widely accepted to be speaking concerning Satan. We will start in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, or literally, O Lucifer, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. 
you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Mm. Wasn't this the exact same message that Satan gave to Eve? You will be like God. You'll be like him. Hmm. Okay, put that in your mind. Hold it firm. Now, let's go to Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 18. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, mm-hmm. in the garden of Eden. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Remember that one. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. This is Satan. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub. Again, there's the cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Do men ever talk about themselves as being beautiful? Or do you talk about men as being beautiful? You talk about women, don't you? You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. And of course, that is exactly what happened to Satan. I put you before kings that they may see you. Now, I want to say something at this point. I put you before kings that they may see you. Now, isn't that what uh, King Ahasuerus did with Vasti? It's common for a king to identify himself by the beauty of his queen. He, he took pleasure in presenting his queen to the people. Continuing. By the multitude of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Hmm, sanctuaries, you mean like churches? Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. 
Brothers and sisters, everything about these two passages tell us that Satan's relationship to the father was a female relationship. She was like the queen. She was Vashti who didn't obey Ahasuerus. That's why you have the parable of these two, of the king and the queen, and the queen didn't respond to the king. That which has been is that which will be. That was a testimony of how Satan rebelled against Yahweh. You see, Satan was beautiful. Satan had all of this splendor. He was attractive. Yahweh put him before others as being beautiful. And you say, well, now how can Satan have this relationship with God, which, Gary, you're almost talking like it was his wife. That's exactly what I'm saying. Satan had a wife relationship with Yahweh. You see, it says in the scriptures, the New Testament, Yeshua himself said that angels neither marry or are given in marriage. And so uh, we can't think of it in the same way if we have a relationship with a husband and a wife. But governmentally, it's the same thing. You know, I, I challenge you. It says that we are sons of God, right? Well, if we are sons of God, does that mean that a woman can become a son of God? You see, you, 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 if, if, if you say that Satan couldn't be the wife to Yahweh, then well, it's clear then that it's the same thing, that a woman cannot be a son of God. Because how can a woman be a son of God? You see, when you get to the higher realms, you don't have those limitations. And let me give you another obvious example. I talk about the bride of Christ. Well, I'm a man. How can I as a man be the bride of Christ? Because it's at a higher dimension. It's at a higher realm. It's a relationship. And so the reality is, even though I as a man am going to become the bride of Yeshua, why is it so foreign that Satan, who is viewed as masculine, but all the angels are always viewed as masculine because of government. But they're not sexual. We know that. So they're called masculine because that's their government. They're not called feminine. That absolutely would not work because you can't send a feminine to do a masculine job. It's all these fake, fraudulent female angels that we see on display are nothing but, again, feminism. It's corrupting the government of God. It's corrupting the bones. Angels are never feminine. They're always masculine. They're Aaron's. They're not Miriam's. And so if I'm going to be the bride of Christ, how can that be possible since I'm male? Because it's my relationship with Christ. It will be a female-male relationship. Satan's relationship with Yahweh was very simple. He had a bride relationship. Yahweh chose him just like he must have chosen Vashti and like he later chose Esther. It's a matter of choice. He chose Satan as his wife. 
the bride of Yahweh was Satan or Lucifer. <laughs> you may take offense to that and say, oh, I can't believe that you would say Lucifer was the bride of Yahweh. Oh, really? You know, do you know what Lucifer means? Lucifer means light bearer. Um, let's see. Zara Perez Zara. Light breach light. Hmm. That's the bride, the body of Christ and the bride. And Yahweh chose Zara as the testimony of the bride of Christ. And her name means light. And Lucifer means light bearer. Oh, let's see. And you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke in Matthew's first remnant, Mark, and then Luke. And guess what? Uh, the second remnant, bride, Luke, means light. That's exactly what Satan was at one time. You look at him now and you say, I can't believe this. But pride entered his heart. He was corrupted and he fell. Now, brothers and sisters, and I'm going to give you more evidence to this in a minute, so hang on. Brothers and sisters, come on, think. Don't be amused, not thinking. Satan was female in his relationship with the father. He was the father's wife. Satan, Lucifer, Lightbearer was the father's wife. And so when the father created a garden and he has fallen, was there no doubt in his mind as a governmental thinker himself as to who he would go to who was, who was absolutely most vulnerable because he himself had already proven it? He knew to go to the woman. It says the woman was greatly deceived that she's the weaker vessel. He knew because he himself had walked it out first. He went to the woman and he deceived her. He knew he would have success. And then she did what he knew she would do. And that is to deceive the man. And he knew what the outcome would be. He knew Yahweh would curse them. The light bearer. Lucifer, this one who was so beautiful and extraordinary and just filled with all of these beautiful jewels and gold and such. That's the one who deceived Eve. Because they were both female. They were both female in their roles. They were both female. The weaker vessel is always the female. You say, well, you don't know my husband. Well, I can understand how that can be true. Some men are female in the ways they act. But guess what? They still have governmental authority as a male. They may blow it. If they had a half sense in them, they would listen to what's right and do what's right. But some men act like females. But still, brothers and sisters, they are governmentally the head. Whether you like it or not, they are. Now, I want to talk about something else regarding this devil in his female role because 
the question came to me, well, now if he's the bride, then he had to give birth. Hmm, that is true. He had to give birth, and he has done so. Would you like to know how? Let's see. Well, first and foremost, it's not Genesis 6, 1 through 5, where the sons of God and the daughters of men are addressed. Uh, that was not Satan laying with natural women. That was not the case. I have my own opinion about what that is, but I won't uh, share it right now. So how did Satan bear offspring for God? Because that's what has to happen. If, 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 if it's, it's a wife, the whole purpose of a wife is to bear offspring, and he's, I guarantee you, he's born a lot of offspring since the fall of Adam and Eve. First, let me ask you, did Adam and Eve have any offspring while in the garden? No. I don't even think they had sexual relations because they didn't even know they were naked until they fell. Uh, if they didn't know they were naked, they probably couldn't even recognize the stimulation of genital differences. Uh, from what I understand from the, my understanding of time, uh, they were together for seven years, and uh, they fail after seven years. Uh, that's when they sinned. Go to renderitbride.com, and you can study it if you want to. No, Adam and Eve had no offspring in the garden. It was critical that they not have any offspring. Uh, they didn't have Cain and Abel until after they were kicked out of the garden. Now, let me ask you another question. When Yeshua came to this earth, was he formed because Joseph laid with Mary? No. No, Joseph never laid with Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she gave birth to Yeshua. Hmm. So there was never the displacement of semen in the garden, and there was not the displacement of semen in Mary either. Hmm. You, you think maybe there's some significance to this. Maybe, maybe Yahweh God is trying to tell us something. Maybe he's showing us something. Okay, when Adam and Eve left the garden, obviously they started having intercourse. Because they started having babies. This is just they just kind of go together. And of course then Cain killed Abel. Now hopefully you have um seen pictures of this or even videos. Have you ever seen a picture of the sperm, the male sperm, approaching the female egg and penetrating it and entering into it? Uh, the egg is this large global sphere, and the sperm is this flagellated head. It really looks kind of like a, uh, what are those serpents that have that wide head? Um, a cobra. It looks like a cobra. And uh, 
this serpent-looking sperm then goes and penetrates this round egg that looks like an earth, a globe. So it's it's really what it is, is the serpent is being cast down to the egg or the earth. It's exactly what Yahweh was telling us. Folks, these bodies that are created by our Mother Earth, if you would, an earth that is cursed, and that the scriptures tell us that these bodies are cursed. In fact, let me just look at a few scriptures about it. In Romans 7, 21 through 23, it says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And then it goes through the works of the flesh, this body. Going back up to Romans chapter 8, he says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, and the mind set on the spirit is life, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, and it does not... Subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So what do you think of this body, folks? It comes from the serpent being cast down to the earth. Do you like it? Does it serve you well? Is it your friend and companion? No. This body that you're in that comes from the cursed earth was given to you after the fall in the garden. No, this body is cursed. And it is given to you by the serpent being cast down to the earth. It is given to you by Satan. Because it agrees with Satan. It's in harmony with Satan. It's in harmony with the curse upon him. Folks, climb the tower, Rongo. Climb high, get your binoculars out. What do you see? Ooh, I see a body that is sin and death and causes me to uh, to do wrong and will take me to the grave. Mm. That's the body that you're in. You're in the body that comes from Satan's headship on this earth and you have to live in it and fight against all the lusts of the flesh and everything that goes with it. And guess what? What's its ultimate goal? Its ultimate goal is to kill you. It's death. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 and following says this. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. Flesh and blood can't inherit. I thought I'm in flesh and blood right now. This is not the perfect kingdom. This is a corrupted kingdom in which Satan is still head. That's why that sperm has a big head. He's the head. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, 
I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must put on the imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality. But when the perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Folks, this body we're in, even with the kingdom of God, belongs to this earth, this cursed earth, and it was given to us by the serpent being cast down to the earth. We live in a body that is of this earth realm, which belongs to Satan. He is the head. He's been given the rights to it for 6,000 years. The people don't understand the big picture. When you die, you go to sleep. You're just like the rest of the beasts. That's what it said in Deuteronomy. You're no different from the beast. You are a beast. Your body goes to the earth. Your body was given to you by the devil. It's the serpent being cast down to the earth. This body is death and corruption and failure and temptation and everything that goes with it. The body that we have to have is the one born from above. Are you beginning to see the picture? Are you beginning to see the picture that it's not just about some church services? It's about getting to the state where Yeshua will come back to this earth and set up his kingdom. But preceding that, he establishes a bride, and this bride is the one who births or prepares the way for Emmanuel to this earth. Brothers and sisters, it's bones. The body of Christ is a dead work, and a dead male never brings forth a male offspring. The only thing a dead body of Christ can bring forth is to open its side, bring out a rib, and form a bride. Don't you see that? There can be no other way. There has to be the establishment of the bride who births Yeshua back to this earth. And in that process, we are told in Thessalonians that the dead in Christ shall rise first, that is the first remnant, and those who are alive and remain at the end, who is the second remnant, this two-part bride work, the two light works, separated by the breach work, the Leah and the Rachel, we are caught up to heaven. The first remnant comes up out of the ground and back into an earthly body, and we are caught up into heaven just like Yeshua was caught up into heaven after he came out of the grave. He was nasted up. The Hebrew word is NASA, just like our space program. The space program takes men into heaven. Guess what? The angels will also bear us up and take us into heaven. There we will be for eight days, and on the eighth day, we will be circumcised of our flesh. It will be transformed. We will put on a new body, the body that is from above and didn't, come from the serpent being cast down to the earth why then did joseph never lay with mary in the establishment of yeshua on this earth 
because if Joseph had laid with Mary, then the serpent sperm would have been cast down to the earth. How did Yahweh establish the first Adam? He formed him himself. There was no serpent sperm in the part of creating Adam in the perfect garden. There was no intercourse where the sperm came down and fertilized the egg. Satan was not cast down to the earth. And then when Yeshua was to be conceived again, you had to have the same garden law. You had to have a law where it was not the sperm of a man creating a body. It had to be God forming that body. And that's what he did. God started over. He created the garden all over again. Yeshua was not in a body where the serpent was cast down to the earth. If he had, he would have failed. It had to be a new work. And that's exactly what he did. And brothers and sisters, that is exactly what we have to have. It has to be a new work. We have to get out of this body that belongs to the devil. Because he takes it back, he will eventually kill all of us and take us to death, where he is the king of that. He takes us all to death. We have to enter into a body that is born from above. And Christians who have been dead for 2,000 years have not received that body. They are not in heaven with Jesus and talking with everybody. They are asleep. They are waiting. And they once again will be put in that body and learn righteousness. And you can go read the writing on the Renate Bride titled Resurrection and judgment. It's a writing you really ought to read. Are you understanding now what Yahweh is doing? Have you climbed the tower and you're seeing things in a way you've never seen them before and you're learning things that you've never learned before? You know why it's true? It's because it's time. There has to be the garments and the palm branches laid down before Yeshua comes and you're getting palm branches of truth right now that are laid down before the coming of Emmanuel. Who has ever seen that Satan is the bride of the father and he is bearing offspring and they are called human bodies. And whenever those bodies are finished, he takes them to the grave, back to the dust. We have to enter into a body that is born from above, that is given to us by our heavenly father and not by his wife. It's a body that's given to us by the Heavenly Father, just like he created Adam and Eve in the garden. Without failure. Without sin. And we have to eat from the tree of life and never die. Are you understanding? Do you understand about this bride? Do you understand about Satan? Do you understand about Christianity? All of these things are very, very important. But there's one other thing that we have to look at. We have to consider it carefully. If we're going to be wise and discerning and understanding. And that is this aspect of male-female. This aspect of male-female, as you can hopefully determine by now, is most, most important and highly impacting. And when there's a confusion about male and female, guarantee you, it's destruction. Ladies, here's the obvious. 
we now see that Satan was the wife of the father. Satan was a Vashti, and there had to be an Esther. There had to be one who would do what's right. That is the bride that Yeshua is seeking right now, the bride that belongs to the Son of God. But ladies, when you seek to do your own will and not the will of your husband, unless he's woefully wrong, I mean woefully wrong. When you seek to do your will instead of the will of your husband, you're being nothing more than a Vashti and you're being nothing more than Satan himself. I'm going to give you another evidence of Satan being the bride. I meant to present this earlier, but let's go ahead and do it here as we embark on this understanding This is directly related to the role of the woman in society today or in the home or in the church or in government. We read in Deuteronomy 16, 21. You shall not plant for yourself an Asherah of any kind of tree beside the altar of Yahweh, your God, which you shall make for yourself. Asherah was the goddess of womanhood, the goddess of fertility. Uh, She was a mother. And I'll tell you just flat out, she is a picture of Satan. Asherah is Satan, the bride, the wife of Yahweh. And it's not of any surprise because you think of the number of offspring that have come from this Asherah, from Satan. (laughs) Billions and billions and billions of offspring had been born through the serpent being cast down to the earth. And like any uh, displaced husband, just like with Vashti, uh, Yahweh said, don't you dare put an Asherah by my altar. It's just like a jilted man. You know, I don't want to be reminded of this woman. No, do not bring her stuff here before me. I don't want to be reminded of her. Women, you don't understand how painful it is for a man to be rejected by his woman. And especially if she starts taking the children like we do commonly today, you do not understand how horrific an experience that is for a man it works against everything within him. Now, I know there's some men who fail, but by nature, a man is crushed when his kingdom, when his family is taken away from him by his wife. So you can just imagine how Yahweh felt when he wrote this law. Don't you dare put this Asherah, this goddess of fertility by my altar. In other words, Take Vashti away. I don't want to have anything to do with her. Do you understand how Yahweh felt? And so you have this idol, if you would, Asherah. And it pops up throughout the scriptures. And it is always finding its place in the temple. Just like feminism is always trying to come into the church. But she's a good teacher. She's anointed of God. No, no, she is a Jezebel. She is an Asherah. She is a female. She does not have the authority to teach or the exercise that of a man. 
When women are in the place of leadership, either in the home or in the church or in government itself, she is nothing less than a Jezebel. She is nothing less than Asherah. Let me read some of these. It says that, um, let's see, now then send and gather all to all me, all Israel and Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal. Now see, uh, when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down and Asherah, which was beside it, was cut down. It's really amazing how Asherah and Baal were put together in worship. Asherah and Baal, that's a husband and a wife. That's the father and the bride that he wants. That which is us in an immortal, incorruptible body. And so you have the Christianity and you have feminism. Prophets of Baal really are Christianity. And uh, uh, feminism uh, is, is Asherah and how it finds its way into the church. But it was commanded, never let Asherah be placed before me. And most interesting and gratefully, uh, what happened to Asherah and Baal is that they were torn down, uh, as I recall, uh, I believe Hezekiah tore it down. And then there was another king as well who went in and tore them down. And what it says that they were taken out and burned. Well, that's interesting. Asherah was burned. Hmm. Asherah is Satan. And his deceptive ways of trying to tempt woman. And Asherah was burned outside the town. Now, that's most interesting since Satan is cast into the lake of fire, isn't it? What happened to the Asherah is exactly what happens to Satan. He is cast into the lake of fire. And there again, you see this whole thing. And of course, our, our bodies are cast into the lake of fire. Those who did not ascend alive and receive their immortal, incorruptible body, their bodies are cast into the lake of fire as well. And then you say, you mean that's hell? We're all going to get cast into hell. No, that's not hell. Go read Resurrection and Judgment and find out it's not hell. It's purification. It's a purification process. The way Yahweh uses fire, he purifies with it. And so this whole aspect of Asherah being the, the father's wife, now you have a name for her. This goddess of fertility has produced lots and lots of offspring. Uh, she will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, let's get back to where we, we left off, and that is with regard to women today and how we see the destruction of the church, of the home, of society, of the nations, by one thing, and that's the feminine taking the place of the masculine. I told you at the very beginning, look at the big picture. Climb the tower. Look at the big picture. What we saw in the garden is exactly what we're seeing today. And people are as blind as bats. At least bats have sonar. 
blind as bats and they do not see what's taking place. They think feminism is good. Oh, yeah. Now you're just listening to the serpent once again. No, it's not good. It is evil. It is just the opposite of what Satan says. Feminism, whether it's in the home or the church or in the nations or wherever, is a destructive, destructive, destructive force. You know, it's most interesting how Satan attempts to bring forth the kingdom by corrupt forms. And that's exactly what society does. They try to bring forth the kingdom. Like Yeshua said, from John the Baptist till now, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'll give you an example. Yeshua's going to come and unite all nations. Tell me, how is this feminized society doing in the United Nations in uniting all people? And here in America, the, the Democrats love it. They think of globalism. Well, actually, the kingdom of heaven was within them, and they think they're going to try to bring forth the kingdom. It's nothing less than the female trying to do the will of the of, of the father. It's a corruption. The female, which is a lawless work, the female, which is lawless, because only the male has the authority to rule, the female will always corrupt. They corrupt the home. You, you, look. There, there are, I hate to get to social issues right here at this point, but let me just say one. You got all these rights going on because uh, they they want their rights, you know, or, or rights, riots, and you know, because they want their rights. And, and what is it? It's because you have taken away the headship in the black families, and without headship in the black families, the black families are destroyed. People are saying that it's very common, it's very obvious. So when you take a female and you put her in governance, what do you expect? Do you want Hillary Clinton to be the next president? Well, if you do, all you're going to do is continue the curse that's upon this nation, and it will destroy the country. It's inevitable. I just ask you, what's the outcome of Satan's offspring in these flesh bodies? Death. Well, go ahead and let a female rule again, put in Hillary or let her be in the pastor in the church, or let her be the head in the home and displace the husband, and what will you get? You'll get death. Come on, folks. Open your eyes. See the big picture. I hope I don't offend you by speaking so loud, but please. I wish I could climb the tower with the megaphone and say, Hello, hello, you're all being destroyed by your feminism. Folks, what is it going to take? I'll tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take a masculine-run bride work, which is a, a work that is able to bring forth offspring. That's the purpose of the woman. She is to bring forth offspring and bring forth offspring with pain when these earthly bodies. And the bride is bringing forth offspring with pain. I have suffered for 22 years in trying to bring forth this bride and to see the establishment of the bride and the bride has paid a price and she will birth Emmanuel back to this earth. A female work. That's the parole of a female work. It's to birth offspring. 
You will birth offspring in pain. And we're, we're looking for the coming of Emmanuel. It has not been an easy task as of yet. Except in Africa, and Africa is exploding with understanding. And I have a great hope that it's going to go throughout the world. That I hope this is birth time. In which the bride is going to be established to birth Emmanuel back to this earth. But meanwhile, folks, if you want to do something and be successful, then you do it according to government. And don't be feminine and don't bring women into it. It's a male-headed work. Only the male has a head on his genitalia. A woman does not. She does not have a head for a reason. It is small and covered and not seen. It's called the clitoris. It is not seen. It is covered. It is the male who has the obvious head. And that's why Esther came and touched the head of the rod that was extended to her by the king. And I'll throw you in a little bit more information. And of course, she is the bride. But the king says, what do you want? He says, and I'm going to be real brief on this because it's not related directly to what we're talking about. She said, I want a wine banquet. Let's talk about the former and latter reigns. She gets together with him. He says, what do you want? I'll give you up half the kingdom. What does she say? I want another wine banquet. I want the latter rain because when I get the latter rain, then Haman will be exposed. Satan, Haman, Satan will be exposed. And he will be hung on his own 50 cubit gallows. An outpouring of the Spirit, Pentecost 50. Haman, Satan, will be hung on his own gallows. And the bride will have effected it. See, that's where the bride does her work. She appeals to her head. She appeals to her head. And he gives her success. She does not try to take the kingdom by force, which is what women do today. They try to take the kingdom by force. And they fail miserably. They destroy the nation. They destroy society. They destroy the family, just like they destroyed the garden. Do you understand? The woman is being nothing more than the Satan. She's being nothing more than the serpent. When she seeks to take actions into her own hands instead of appealing to and turning to her husband for information first. Women, you are destroying the nation, the families, and the church by your actions. And men, you are listening to the voice of your woman. The first words out of Yahweh's mouth to Adam was, because you listened to the voice of your woman. I ask you men, when are you going to take headship and be responsible for that with which you have been given? You're the head. You need to turn to your head, Yeshua, Yahweh, and listen and do what is right. I am reminded of what Yahweh said to Cain when he was offended by his brother. 
and by Yahweh's choice. Yahweh said to him, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Men need to start doing what's right, taking their headship, invested in them by God, and do what's right. And women need to come under the headship of the man and do that which is pleasing before the Father. Okay, we're going to cover three more items before we go to our closing. But we need to address these rather quickly. Uh, first item is that this word devil, uh, who is the former or really the present wife of the father. In the New Testament, devil is diablos. It is used 32 times, and it is translated devil 29 times. Three of those times, it has a very interesting message. We know that Satan is the wife of the father, and that the woman has got to be very careful because she was deceived by the devil. And the woman today is in that same place of being the female, the wife, and is extremely vulnerable to Satan. Now, it is most interesting and quite significant that whenever the devil is spoken of in the New Testament, it actually even refers to the woman. You say, well, where? Well, let's look at it. In 1 Timothy 3.11, it says, Women must likewise, women must likewise be dignified, not devils, diablos, but temperate, faithful in all things. Now, look at that. I mean, here in the New Testament, it is telling women who are in comparison to Satan, who is a wife, in telling women not to be devils. Now, isn't that quite appropriate? Quite significant. The second time is in Titus 2.3. It says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not devils, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Ladies, the New Testament tells you specifically, do not be devils. Do not be like the father's wife. Be the faithful bride that Yeshua is coming for, whether you're a man or a woman, in that bride relationship. Point number two. We have already noted that Satan, in Ezekiel 28, is called the anointed cherub who covers, or, oh, covering cherub. So, Satan is the covering cherub. But we also know that in the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. And there's not just one cherub covering the Ark. 
what covers the ark now is not one cherub, Satan, but is replaced by two cherub. They are the two cherubim that cover the ark of the covenant. This speaks of the bride, the two-part bride, the first remnant and the second remnant. We actually replace Satan from the standpoint of becoming the covering. Of course, the scriptures teaches in Jeremiah 31:22 as well that Yahweh has created a new thing in the earth. What is that new thing? A woman will encompass a man. That's what the cherubim do. They encompass the masculine, the Ark of the Covenant. It's the bride covering the body of Christ. So we see another testimony of this two-part bride that replaces Satan and becomes the covering for the body of Christ now. And finally, this matter of the father's bride is evident, and yet it's still a mystery. Because when we look at the two-part split bride, then we think of the bride of Yeshua, just like Esther having two wine banquets. Satan, on the other hand, is not a split work, and he has given us these fleshly bodies. And so if you draw a parallel, you wonder what it is in Jerusalem above that now represents this bride that replaces Satan. Because if Satan gave us our bodies today with the serpent cast down to the egg, then when we get into heaven or called up into heaven at the last trumpet, we are given a new body. Our bodies on the eighth day in heaven should be circumcised and we get a new heavenly body. That transformation has to be associated with a female work. The only hint that we have to this is that in Galatians 4.26, it speaks about Jerusalem above who is free and she's the mother. This Jerusalem above, you know, this matter of that work that replaces Satan is still a bit of a mystery. We can't say we understand it entirely, but we haven't been to heaven, so how can we expect to understand it all? There are some things we just may not learn until we get there. But we do see that Satan has been our mother for 6,000 years. No wonder the kingdom was corrupted as long as we're in these fleshly bodies that are given to us by the Satan. Boy, I will sure be glad for the transformation. All right, there's our three points. Let's close. Well, now you know the big picture. We've climbed up that tall tower together, and we've looked about, and we've seen things that we've never understood or seen before. But now we see them. We're held accountable for them. I pray that Yahweh God will complete what he's begun. My only hope for the church, for the nations, for all mankind is the establishment of the bride. The bride is the Elijah work. 
that brings Emmanuel to this earth, God with us. That is the only hope I see because as long as man is in this body that is given to us by Satan, we will fail. The only hope I see is for Yahweh to establish the latter rain bride work, which is a masculine work in comparison to the first remnant, which is more of a female work. The second remnant will be more of a masculine work. Even though it is a bride, it will have male leadership. And this bride will birth Emmanuel back to this earth with our bearded birth lips that belongs to a man. The female has birth lips that are bearded, but the man has the glory to bring forth Emmanuel back to this earth. And I ask for every woman that's in places of authority to get out of them. Because one way or another, you're going to, whether it's now or later, you will. You will give up your authority. Because it belongs to men. Period. I'm not politically correct. Period. So, we look to Yahweh for the days before us. And we look to him to complete what he has begun. And there is great hope. I encourage you to read rentabride.com. There's some incredible truth there. And uh, take advantage of it. And we look to the Father to complete the work that he has begun, that it began 2,000 years ago. It breached. And now we look for the light today. And that's what you're receiving. You're receiving light, understanding things that have never been understood or heard before. That's what you're hearing. So may God be praised. May Yahweh be our all in all. And we give him praise. Amen.